you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome to the NFL Legends Podcast, an NFL podcast for the players, by the players. Here is your host, 14-year NFL veteran and Hall of Famer, Aeneas Williams. Hello, welcome. My name is Aeneas Williams. Today we are talking about what's next. Careers, interests, even hobbies that legends can adapt their inherent skills toward and achieve greatness all over again. We have perhaps our most diverse panel yet, guys who've taken very different paths since their playing days. First, we have former defensive back Scott Turner, who has become a state representative, man, in politics. We're going to get into that. <laughs> and in, in, his, in his home state of Texas, where they say nothing is bigger than Texas. And then we have former all-pro linebacker Takeo Spikes, whose career has taken him into broadcasting and now photography. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you, bro. And knowing both of you guys, just to start it off to have a little uh, understanding, I've been knowing Scott for quite some time. My wife, actually, Tequil, got an MBA from the University of Illinois. 
So we were at school when Mr. Scott Turner was a student athlete. Yeah. And got to know him back then. And I don't even want to kick with the politics. Scott. Yeah. What led you there? <laughs> and how did you use your instinct and skill from the football field to help you in the playing field of politics? Come on with it, Scott. That's a good question. It started my rookie year when I was in uh, Washington at the Redskins. We would have to drive downtown through downtown D.C. on the way to RFK Stadium. Mm -hmm. And I remember just being fascinated with the architecture of Washington, D.C. and the different buildings, the Pentagon, White House, Capitol. As I did that through the years, I started moving from just liking the architecture to liking government and government leadership and started thinking to myself, well, maybe one day, you know, I'll be involved in serving in the government. A few years passed. I left Washington, went to San Diego, and then to Denver. And it was my last couple years in the NFL. And the league sent out a memo that said there's ha they're having different internships. There were different internships on there for real estate, insurance, broadcast, and banking. And at the bottom of that page was U.S. Congress. And I said, that's me. And I was in my eighth year, I believe, eighth or ninth year, and I called the NFL and said, hey, I'm interested in doing an internship with U.S. Congress. And so they connected me with Congressman Duncan Hunter at that time. I was living in San Diego, California, and he was the chairman of the Armed Services Committee uh, at the height of the war in Fallujah. It was that time period. I did an internship with him both in his district office in San Diego and also in Washington, and so I saw some very fascinating things, uh, both good and some not so good. But more importantly, Duncan showed me what a true statesman was, what servant leadership looked like. And so I interned with him for that summer, and I went back and played, and I retired. And after I retired, I worked for him for a season with military affairs. Upon leaving San Diego and going back to Dallas, I was encouraged to run for state representative. And the reason why I did is because I learned what statesmen ship looked like. And I learned that we also have some people in politics that probably shouldn't be there. And my whole purpose was servant leadership, you know, to take the platform that I had been blessed with in the NFL and use that to reach as many people as I can with the things that I learned in the NFL, teamwork, discipline, hard work, you know, humility. And so I ran for the state house in 2012 and won and started my first term in 2013. What's a statesman? So to me, a statesman is one who operates in great humility and one who operates with his conviction and on not what's popular. A statesman is one that's willing to stand up for right, even if he or she has to stand up alone, and that their character is upstanding, their words match their actions. And statesmen are very rare in politics today because when you're a statesman, you have to be willing to go against the fray and go against what everybody else says is popular. You can't be afraid as a statesman to go home and live under the laws in which you voted and created. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of politicians in government, but very few statesmen. If you look back in history of politics of old, politicians of old, they sacrificed life, liberty, and everything else they had. They were true statesmen. And I think in our culture today, in our government today, we need more statesmen and stateswomen. Mm -hmm. And so to me, the opportunity to raise the standard in that was available, and that's why I took it. Takeo, talk about what you're doing now and how you've honed your creative side in recent years. I know it's crazy. A lot of people... <laughs> 
Who I'll, says it's crazy? Yeah, it's not crazy. But let me tell you this story <laughs> what happened. Let me tell you who really called it crazy, which really fueled my passion for it. We, we were playing in an international game. We were getting ready to leave Carolina. I was playing with San Francisco, and we were getting ready to leave to go to London. So I was thinking in my mind, like, everything you do, man, it's getting late in your career. It was my 10th year. I was like, you got to document some of this stuff so you can have memories. So I got on the plane with my camera around my neck. As soon as I walked on the plane, the guys looked at me and say, hold up. Spikes, what are you doing with the camera around your neck? You too big to be having a camera around your neck. I'm like, come on, dog. Like, for real? Like, no, seriously? So I didn't let it deter me. I got on the plane. When we got there, I went around London, took shots of all the monuments, had a little photo shoot. Didn't know what I was doing at right. the time with one of my friends on the team and uh, brought the camera in the locker room and took pictures. And when we got back on the plane after the game, going back to San Fran, one guy said, Spike, let me take a look at the images. I showed him the pictures. One guy turned into three. Three turned into five. Mm. Before I knew it, I had half of the team over my shoulder, and every, I'm going through the images, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, man, let me get a copy of that. Let me get a copy. <laughs> so in the end, I looked at them and said, y'all, you, you remember what you told me when I walked on the plane? <laughs> I was like, you too big to be asking for a copy of the picture. But that's when I knew I was on to something because some of, some of the images was nice. So I was like, you know what? I just want to document my life. Good. But really document just what we go through behind the mask. And that's how my passion really started for photography. So you're in your eighth year, I think, tenth year? Which year you said? It was eighth. actually my, my twelfth year. So your twelfth year, but what triggers you to photography? You can get a photographer to follow you. You can talk to the team and say, hey, I'm thinking about this. But you did this yourself. Now that's something totally different. And I think this is where the artistic side comes in. I'm a storyteller, and I love telling stories. I think only true storytellers can relate to other true storytellers. Nobody could capture what I see. Like you, I'm a very visual person, and for me, every, every night before I went to bed, I was thinking about how can I chase greatness the next morning. Oh, when did this start with those thoughts? How can you chase greatness? How old were you? I was, how old are you when you're in the 10th grade? What, 15? 15, 15 yeah, years 15, old. Yeah. My father brought home a tape. And it was Lou Holtz. And the tape was called How to Be a Champion. I knew what I wanted to do, but I just didn't know how to get there. And so when he brought home this tape, he said, he used to call me Key Man. He said, Key Man, look at this tape. Hold on, why Key Man? Because because for my family called me Keo, okay, and Keo. so he was just like Key Man for short. His dad, yeah, my my father, and he brought the tape, and I looked at it, and Lou Holtz talked about, all right, everybody is everybody wants to do things, but they're not willing and able, but let me show you how. And through this tape, it just talked about your daily must, how to be a champion, hmm. and my and just from what I got from that tape, my daily must, my non non negotiables is. Number one, give all honor and glory to Christ. Mm -hmm. Number two, love what you do. Three, be committed to what you do. Mm -hmm. Four, treat people the way that you would want to be treated, the golden rule. Mm 
And then number six is be honest. Maybe this number five. I don't know. Maybe I skipped the number. No, you, you're good. Okay. You're good. So um, it was be honest because that was the hardest thing that I had to write on that paper because, you know, we can all lie to everybody else, but at the end of the day, you can't lie to yourself. And so when I put those daily non-negotiables on that paper, then Lou Host talked about, what do you want to do? Write out your goals. And don't give me goals that are easily attainable, but write out your goals to where it's going to require work. If people look at your goal sheet, if they don't look at you and just be like, wow, your goals are not high enough. And so I said, okay. So at, the, at that age of 14, 15 years old, my goals at that time was I want to go to a Division I school. I want to be the best linebacker in the state. Little did I know, I ended up being the second best linebacker rated in the, in the nation. By the time I left, I wanted to go to a Division I school. Well, not a Division I school, but I wanted to go to a big-time school. What? And all of, this, all of this at the 10th grade. And, um, and I just wrote that stuff down, guys. And from me writing it down, I put it somewhere to where it held me accountable every morning and every night. What I mean by that, at night when I went to bed, it was on my wall. And it was the first, last thing I saw before I went to sleep. So I would question myself for accountability. It would be, Takeo, did you do everything on that paper in order to, did you do everything today? Right that you have on that paper in order to get your goals. Mm -hmm. And I could truly say, yes, I slept good. If I didn't, when I woke up the next morning, it was, I don't care what you did yesterday. Anybody can do it one day. Anybody can do it two days. Then it turned into anybody can do it a week. So then that's how I developed my consistency. And that was the challenge. And the more and more I did it, I started seeing my goals go away. The results. The results, I was winning. Good. You know, and, and I started attaining more. And so from that point, even to this day, and I teach my daughter, my daughter's, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> my daughter's 15 years old. Oh, wow. And this happened at the same time. I'm, I, I get, I'm getting chills, wow. <laughs> man. Yes, man. But, it, it, but it's, 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 and it all happened from my father bringing home a tape. Hmm. And so that's, that's my drive. I get my drive from... If you believe it, write it down. Yeah. I mean, if you can see it, you can t achieve it. Say those two things again. If you believe it. If you if you believe it. Write it down. Write it down. Because when you see it, you can achieve it. What led you to take on the careers? And to Keo, you just said a key man. That's what Dad called you? Yeah. Key man. Key man. Scott, the passions that you are that you are now, what led you? to say, I can do this in terms of politics. Because now you look at politics now, man, it's so combustible. Yeah. It appears no one's talking. Mm -hmm. Once you got in, how did what football taught you help you be able to have some semblance of what, how you define success? Because that could be unique just right. in, in and of itself. Right. First, I appreciate Takeo and just... You know, in this moment, he just realized that his daughter's 15. Right. And that it was when he was 15 that his father brought home a tape. And you talked about memories. You just had a great one. And yeah. I know that your daughter would benefit because of it. I've seen his pictures, by the way, and they're awesome. But to answer your question, Aeneas, the passion for it, I think mine started when I was 10. 
I was standing on the threshold of the front door of our house in Plano, Texas. And when I came home, I saw that my mother and father were on different sides of the door. My father was outside and my mother was inside. And I knew something was wrong then. And two things happened simultaneously at that point when I stood inside the house with my mother. One, my family unit was fractured and never to be the same. And two, the Lord dropped a vision and a dream in my heart that one day I would be able to play in the NFL. So it became a dream and a vision of mine, and I saw my family fracture at the same time. Two totally different things. Uh, but that's when I began to have a passion and a drive to make it, to be successful, and to take care of my mother and my family. You know, I came out of a, a background that was very difficult in domestic violence and alcoholism and gambling. I love my mother and my father, but they didn't make it as far as being married. And so I just established in my heart and mind that I wasn't going to be that way and that when I got my family, that it would be whole. Mm -hmm. And so I think my passion started more from an internal perspective of wanting my family unit to be right. And I took that drive into school. I took it into working at Spring Creek Barbecue, being a dishwasher, trying to be the best dishwasher I could be to be successful. Yes, sir. Even when yeah. my friends came to the kitchen window and laughed and pointed and said, you sorry, you busting suds, right? And I knew then I was washing dishes because that wasn't the end. That was just the beginning to the end where I wanted to be. My passion started then, uh, not only to succeed and to show people up, but to use the potential and the gifts I had to make something out of myself to be successful. And so I went to the University of Illinois, as you talked about before, in 1990, ran track and played football and graduated. And so I think that from the time I was a child through high school, through college and into the NFL, that my passion was, I know what I want to do. And, you know, there was people that came around me, such as yourself and this, that came and, and, and helped me and encouraged me and taught me and stoked that passion. When, I was, when it came time to get drafted, you know, I was a seventh-round draft pick, pick number 226. And I played corner for one year at Illinois. And I started, you know, at corner my senior year. That was it. And I was always told, hey, man, you're too little. You know, you're, not, you're too small to play in the NFL, and you don't have enough experience, and nobody knows you. They don't know what your talent is. You should go try for the Olympics. You know, you're a great track runner, this, that, and the other. But every time somebody said that, I remember washing dishes at Spring Creek and standing on the threshold of that front door of my mother and father being divorced and my mom being battered and beaten and the dream and the vision that I had in my heart. Well, end up, long story short, I got drafted, as you know, in the seventh round. And then when I got into the NFL, it was, hey, you're not going to stay. Right. <laughs> right? You on the fringe. Every, for 10 years, I was on the fringe, right? We don't know if we're going to be able to keep you. Right? You're just a special team, backup corner. But even though you start, no, we don't want you because there's somebody else coming. But what that did for me was it just helped me because I understood that it wasn't what man said. It wasn't what people thought would happen. But what's inside of me? You know, what does the Lord put in me, you know, in order to fulfill the dreams that he's given me? Right. And so that's kind of how my passion developed. And so going into politics, my passion was what I saw, what was wrong in our country. And that how I saw leaders that were not leading out of servanthood and that were not leading out of humility. So my passion then, obviously, is for people. There's 28 million people in Texas. And when I was running a campaign, I saw that every day it's 28 million people. That's why I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. 
I'm doing this for the kids that are underserved in the southern sector of Dallas that don't have good educations, that are truant, that come from families that are broken. And I'm also doing it for the people that live in North Dallas that are affluent and have two or three kids and, you know, a house, take vacation. I'm doing it for the entirety of people, not for politics. And that's what drove me. That's why I could stay on the House floor when there's so much confusion, when there's so much divisiveness, when there's so much arguing. That's, how, that's what kept me in seat number 29 in the House of Representatives on the House floor was my passion and my vision for people. One of the things I tie both of you guys, even from, from Key Man, that video yep. of Lou Holtz, and then now I hear your, your values and how they were established even when you saw some negativity with mom and dad separating. When you head into these new directions, with broadcasting, politics, and even the work you do now, who are the mentors that help you in this new endeavor? And what are the new skills that you had to learn in order to be successful, starting with you, Tequila? Some of my mentors going into the broadcasting field, immediately, I'm looking for people who look like me. I'm looking for the black males who possibly came from the South, guys who had a story. For me, my first introduction to it was Solomon Wilcox. Solomon, wow. I met Solomon when I never even told him this story, so I hope he hears this one day. But we were in Cincinnati, and I remember walking in the locker room. And I, I'm a football historian, so I knew of Solomon just from just watching TV right. all the time. And um, I was like, okay, Solomon, I, I didn't know he was calling games. And so he was in part of the media. And I was like, Solomon, where are you from? He was like, yeah, man, I'm from L.A. And I'm like, Solomon, your, your accent don't, you know, you can't be from L.A. Right. He was like, look here, brother, you got to clean that thing up so you appeal to everybody. <laughs> he said, you'll understand. You coming in here with yeah. a thick Southern accent, <laughs> you know? And so, but he, he, he's been very instrumental to mm -hmm. me because, you know, anytime we want to achieve something, you want to find somebody who kind of looks like you, you know? And so I was like, okay, he's an African-American doing this thing. And once I continued to stay in contact with Solomon, it was just, just learning the, the tricks and the trades and everything that he told me that to be aware of and things that you need to do to continue to get better. You know, you, you only as good as your last performance. Wow. He said, if you take that mentality outside of the game, then of course that will be able to help you. You know, everybody wants the, the prime time job. Right. Everybody wants that desk job. The hard thing is just understanding that it's so subjective. It's like photography. I may not be appealing to you, but that doesn't mean that I'm trash. Hold up, I want you to, I want you to hit that. You, cause you mentioned, all right, you, you, you transition, you talked about everybody want the desk, right? Yep. But that's subjective in terms of who thinks, whoever's in power positions, who thinks needs to be at the desk. Yep. So you gotta deal with that. You gotta deal with that. Second one you mentioned from photography, it's subjective. And, and the reason why I want to hit that real quick, because as legends, you think about it, man, sometimes we are down on ourselves. Or sometimes legends are down on themselves because of some subjective opinion mm. of others. And just like with photography, what may be beautiful for someone else, right? right? Be totally not interested for another person. Yeah. So 
can you share that point in, in your life and how did you rationalize that where you were able to now live your life successfully having an understanding of subjecti subjectivity? One of my first experiences of just seeing like, like what is, what is subjective? After I got out of the game and uh, I was working with NBC, you know, it didn't work out. I didn't sign an extension. So, but it doesn't mean, it didn't mean that I was unsuccessful. Correct. Yeah, I felt like I, I got to be who I am. I can't be anybody else. But it was a great experience. Right. And so that was my first dose of understanding. You know, and I kept going, working with different, doing different one-offs with different people. And this other team is like, Tequila, we love you. Scott, as I, I close this out, this is a quicker session. Tequila said something, and this certainly goes to politics. He mentioned being able to see someone that looks like me. How important is that when it comes down to what we're doing, and particularly in politics, seeing an African-American man having the value, being a statesman? Mm -hmm. How important mm -hmm. is that? It is important uh, to a certain degree, obviously, because there's a comfort level there. And, and it's just like us being former players or being players, period. We can have never met one another, but when we come to a group and we see each other immediately, we're comfortable because we have so much in common. And there's an immediate connectivity because we're the same in that area. In politics, it's a little bit different, in particularly because we are a system of Republican and Democrat. I serve as a, a Republican state representative, and a lot of people that look like me are not Republican, in particular in Texas. Mm -hmm. I was one of three. In my last sense, I was one of two. But having said that, even though there's a dividing line between Republican and Demo Democrat from a voting perspective, there were another 50 or 60 representatives, albeit they were different parties, that looked like me and had similar backgrounds to me. And so outside of politics, and even in politics, there was an immediate fellowship. But what I try to do is expand that and broaden that platform to say the commonality that we have here is that there's 150 of us here on this floor out of 28 million people in Texas. And so there's 150 of us here that really are looking the same because we all are on this floor. So my question, Republican, being a Republican, African-American, mm -hmm. How were you able to deal with a good portion of African Americans? Like, dude, yeah. Yeah, what side you You're on? Right, right? That's, that's like fighting words. Right, right. So, how did you stay true to what you felt, mm -hmm. even with possibly, you know, those eye raises and it was, all right, yeah. Republican? Yeah, yeah, you feel it. Oh yeah. Once you say it, right? Yeah, and once right. someone's finding out, you already <laughs> feel it in the room, right? Right. So, so how do you deal with that, or how did you deal with that? Well, and that's a great question. Mm -hmm. Uh, one, I think like anything else, you have to be sure of who you are. Mm. And you have to be rock solid in your conviction. Isn't that what we do, do as athletes? Yes. And I, and I want to emphasize that because as we listen to legends or even current players, just remember that. And when we transition, sometimes we lose that doubt. Right. So one of the things I like to do and why I point these things out in this podcast is so get our guys' confidence back. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, you've transitioned. Now you're not doing something you were doing when you, since you were four years old. Okay, but realize, man, you got to adjust on the fly. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. And most people don't end on their own terms. Yep. And then subjectivity. 
well, who told you your, your career wasn't successful, right? Mm -hmm. Who told you that? Mm -hmm. And then reevaluating that. So as we close out, the final thing, if you, can, if you guys give me a quick statement, what advice would you give legends to find their new focus? If I, if I have a sentence, and I would say my statement would be to all of the legends, anybody who is listening, never let someone's opinion become your reality. Mm -hmm. Say it again. Never let someone's opinion become your reality. Wow. Got a sentence from Ms. Scott? I do. When I ran for the um, legislator, one of the first things I heard someone say is, you can't do this, you're just a football player. But what they don't understand is that they reminded me that, you know what, I was a professional football Correct. player. Right. And it's only a certain amount of us that do that. Absolutely. Yes. 1%. 1%. And I, and, I, and I say that because what they meant it for was negative. Right. In that I don't have the ability nor the capacity to transition from football into being an elected official. But what I saw it as, oh, I'm reminded of how I got here from being able to be one of just a few at the University of Illinois being able to be just one of 53 on the teams that I played for, that's, that's a football player. Right. And the things that got me there were determination, uh, selflessness, humility, hard work, up in the morning when everybody else is asleep, working out twice a day. Those are the things that make us football players that make us successful. And so what they reminded me was, okay, I can take those same abilities and now transition into the world of politics. And so I told them, I said, okay, this is my answer to them. I'm going to show you what a professional football player really is. Mm. And it's not what you see on TV. Mm. I say that because when guys are transitioning, remember how you got to the NFL and what got you there. And you can use those same abilities, that same conviction, and those same attributes, coupled with the passion that you have, and be successful even more so, which was my goal. Be, who says we can't be more successful after football? Absolutely. To increase the platform that we've been given. So my sentence is, remember, you are a professional football player. And what got you there, the grace of God and your skills and your abilities, use those to transition. And the last thing I would say is don't be afraid to let someone help you get to where you want to be. I close this podcast with this statement. Some people see, others possess vision. Thank you guys for sharing your vision. Yes, sir. It's been great. Key man, Scott, thank you for being here. Thank you, Nate. The man. Legends Podcast. This has been the NFL Legends Podcast. To provide feedback or request a topic for discussion, email us at nfllegends at nfl.com. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids. No plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. <laughs> you can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. You ever get the feeling the city walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating your soul? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe chase some elk, fish a private stream. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there, and finding your own piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, location, the kind of hunting or fishing you dream of. Land.com. It's where the adventure begins.